This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. no idea how i feel about the soundboard situation right now but anyway uh welcome to another episode of the out of bounds podcast my name is adam jabber and we have a great episode for you today and a very important episode today uh and not in the annoying way um this is just a really good conversation uh with andy perry um it you kind of get to see a side of him that i don't know that you get to see that often um like and i don't know that he shows that much online um He's a very thoughtful, very intelligent, um, and also very caring person. <laughs> Just cares about the ski community, cares about people of color, cares about being a better person. Um, and this is stuff that kind of sounds like maybe you would just assume, but I don't know. Not everybody's like that. And I just, I really respect how thoughtful Andy was in this conversation. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff here we both kind of ramble a little bit it's uh but I, I, I don't know i had a great time and i really enjoyed this episode i hope this is a great way to start off 2022 um which you know we're hoping for the best 2022 is uh is a good year we're manifesting good shit i think um a couple housekeeping items so to speak uh there will be shirts dropping on the site uh soon from some idiot on the internet um what do you call us? Brainless something, brainless, thoughtless idiots. I don't know, something. Call this something and put it on t-shirt. We're selling it and uh, $5 of every t-shirt sale goes to protect our winters because that's what this person was not believing in was climate change and all that good stuff. Um, so obviously, super intelligent human being. Um, anyway, uh, those will go live on both the outofcollective.com sites and the out of podcast site. Um Either way, it doesn't really matter. They all link back to the same thing now. Um, there's new stickers for the new logo. Uh, there's all kinds of new stuff coming up. Uh, we are going to be in Colorado at the end of the month. We're going to be in Tahoe at the beginning of February. Uh, Banff in March, hopefully, if COVID doesn't shut the world down. Um, and yeah, anyway, it's been two minutes and there hasn't been an ad yet. So we should talk about our friends at OnX. Uh, if you're not familiar, OnX is basically a mapping system uh, that is in your pocket um, in an app form. Uh, you can on download OnX Backcountry uh, at www.onxbackcountry.com. Um, and then you can use promo code out of bounds to save 20% off your subscription. It's 29 bucks for the whole year. It's cheap. Um, it's amazing. It has everything from slope angles to weather patterns to where the trail is and notes on the trail. And like, it's, I mean, the stuff is super, super detailed. Um, and I'm psyched to use it. I'm psyched to use it more out West because like here it's, I don't know, in new England, I feel like, I don't know. I know my immediate area. Right. But even, I don't know, the other day I was looking at Mount Tom and there's stuff on Mount Tom that I was like, I had no idea existed. And there's certain stuff that you can see once you put those different layers on that Onyx app that you would just you would have no idea otherwise um so download that was I, don't, I feel like that was extremely clunky but the point is the app has everything slope angle weather like 
trails where they start distances trail name like it's it's basically like it's the mapping system for your phone and it's simple it's clean it's easy to use um and yeah it's great so go to onxbackcountry.com uh and use promo code out of bounds and you can save 20 percent off on your subscription um we also have our friends at woodchuck cider uh woodchuck has been a great partner of ours uh for the last few episodes and I, uh, I'm telling you, they have the best um, mimosa in a can that exists, period. doesn't matter if it's a cider company. It doesn't matter what kind of, like they, this mimosa in a can thing is dialed. So check that out. Check out the Perseco, which I keep talking about, the rosé, all this made at Woodchuck Cider. Um, it is some variation of the ciders that they make. So the flavors are great. I think the branding is awesome. I think the company's really, really fucking cool. Um, they're out in, uh, in Vermont. It's another Vermont company. So, um, as I stumble through those ads, we have, uh, we've arrived at the uh, beginning of another episode. I hope you guys enjoy this one. I really, really can't thank Andy enough, um, for coming on the show again and just kind of chatting me up and hopefully we'll do more of these kind of things where it's less like, Hey, who are you? What do you do? And more like, hey, let's talk about stuff. You know, I think this is really cool. Um, leave a review on iTunes if you get the opportunity. Subscribe, tell a friend, follow us on the gram and TikTok and wherever the fuck. Um, talk to you guys soon and enjoy the episode. Um, Andy, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of roll from here. Yeah. Uh, my name is Andy Perry. Um, I am a co-founder of Lion Traveling Circus, and um, I also do a telefriend tour, which is an activation ski, ski tour for kids. And then this year, I'm starting a program called Kids Ski for Free that um, pretty much links brands, resorts, and other pros with um, nonprofits inside the ski community. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that's what I got going on. Cool. So what i mean when you're when you're doing a program like that like what was the goal initially and why did you want to do something like that i think initially it was like i i think like with like we my group of friends that grew up skiing the i hate new york crew so like will wesson metadolly gradadolly ross uh, eric olson shane Mc... anyways we never really i don't know we didn't ever get to like travel a lot there wasn't like you know, we weren't like poor, but we weren't like it's insanely rich. So it's like, you know, I worked uh, to get my ski passes and like buying skis from people. But, um, you know, we didn't have a really good train park. So we were always building our own stuff and we were kind of always doing stuff on the cheap. And that was like kind of what drifted us towards, say, like back, the weird backyard setups we used to do or um, going to hit urban and stuff like that because it was just cheap. It was in our backyard. We didn't have to wait for other people to do it at the resort. Um, so kind of like the whole, my whole background is more of just like, you know, doing skiing on the cheap, making it uh, affordable for more people to be able to go skiing. Cause you know, when you're growing up in Western New York or like outside of Massachusetts or in the Midwest or wherever, and it snows for, you know, four months of the year and it's cold, any kind of outdoor recreation is like super, like, I, I don't know. Can you, I'm, I was trying to think of like kind of like winter sports that aren't like too expensive and like, yeah, you can always get a sled and go to the park, but it's like, right. What hockey is hockey. Like that's, I don't think it's cheap. Like you can always get secondhand, every, anything. 
So it's like you need that kind of a coach and then your parents have to drive you places that takes their time, takes money getting places, especially if you're on a like a little league, like, or not a little league team, but like a juniors team or something. Yeah. Um, there's like ice skating, but it's like, like ice skating is not like, unless you're doing like figure skating or something like that, then yeah, that's like a winter sport, um, you know, indoor basketball, but it's not like a lot of outdoor stuff going on during the winter. Um, right. And that's, you know, that's kind of like a bummer. And it's like cool for us because we can go in our cars and we can drive, we can get to ski resorts and stuff like that. But for a large population of people, like that's not something that happens. So you're almost like confined in like wherever you live sometimes um, if you don't have a lot of disposable income to go out and do it. So the problem is, is like, it's just, you know, when what kind of, again, got me started on this is like, okay, well, how can I help people in different, um, th- that otherwise wouldn't have, the opportunity because you know it's like i had the opportunity and it really shaped who i am the direction i went in life um you know it's it's weird like honestly if you asked me when i was 16 like what what do you want to do when you grow up what would be your dream job and i'd be like i most definitely because i'm sure i'd said this before um you know i want to be a pro skier like i want to be able to travel around i want to ski with my friends i want to film um you know and, you know, here I am, like, and it's all kind of happened and it's all because it ha- happened because of skiing and kind of doing it in this cheaper way. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like giving back a little bit as much as like, you know, I kind of can and to help, you know, people again, who maybe wouldn't have the opportunity. Um, so I, I think that's kind of like the, the whole background for why I kind of started Kids Ski for Free. So. Yeah. And what exactly like what isn't what is included within kids ski for free like and what's what's the end goal i guess obviously i'm i'm assuming it's that kids ski for free but how what kind of steps are you taking to get to that point where this can be like a long term thing that is actually really beneficial for a lot of kids right so i assume that's the end goal um yeah so I think kind of this year I'm really just starting small. Like I, I know that you like creating a framework for something and then trying to implement something that's large requires a lot of moving parts. It's uh, time consuming. So I'm starting really small this year and working with a couple of the national brotherhood of skier groups, one out of Albany, New York, and the other one out of ski sundown, Connecticut. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm linking them with um, some skis from Line Skis, uh, the ski club um, in Albany, uh, Albany, New York. Um, are, they already got their skis. So I'm uh, linking the Ski Sundown people with some skis. Um, uh, and then there's a uh, foundation outside of, um, you know, Canandaigua, New York, near Bristol, New York, where I grew up, called the Scott Delfour Foundation. And, you know, what he does is, you know, this is a foundation for uh, his brother that he lost. Um, so what he does is he works something out with Bristol to where he has, you know, if it's either 200 or $250, basically there's already ski schools that go to Bristol, New York to ski um, during the midweek or stuff. So just like some, you know, schools, ski club stuff. And basically he, you know, gets money through fundraising and then he does like a little rail jam and a raffle at Bristol. Um, but for, you know, 200 $250, he can get a kid from one of these high schools that's already going and he can basically sponsor them and get them like, you know, whatever, five, six times skiing hooked up with lessons, rentals. And he takes applications and tries to get people in, you know, if they're, in, you know, 12 years old or whatever, and they first got into the program, he tries to get keep them in the program. Because I think that's, you know, really, you know, he thinks that's important, and it is really important. 
Um, so I'm just working with those clubs. So right now, just trying to hook them up with um, products. Every person needs different things. I think ideally, and this is one of the barriers that I kind of uh, ran into already, was uh, trying to work with resorts um, to try to get uh, free tickets for these groups. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that like brands are definitely more receptive to what I'm doing. Um, just because I have a strong connection with, you know, I'm not trying to involve a lot of people this year. I'm just trying to, you know, just get a core group of people that are down. And again, Lion Skis is super down. Um, Planks is going to send some clothes if I need anything for anyone. Um, but it's, it's I think, the, the biggest thing besides getting people product or whatever that they can raffle off or use is getting tickets, lift tickets, lessons, and rentals for these clubs. So um, I would say that, you know, a couple of the big barriers of entry here, one is cost. Uh, the other is um, kind of like travel, you know, getting to the resort. And yeah, and the other one is just kind of like uh, an existing lack of inclusion. So um, with those are kind of the three barriers that I, you know, you start, you start getting past them and then you start opening up more opportunities for a lot, you know, different diverse people in skiing and stuff like that. So, you know, when I link with one of these clubs, like maybe like the Scott Delfer Foundation or um, through one of the clubs through, um, the National Brotherhood of Skiers, they already have the travel portion. They, they're they working with the community. They already have inns in, you know, their local community, um, which is something I, you know, wouldn't really be able to do. So they're already kind of linking that. And that's what's cool about working with some of these nonprofits is like, I don't have boots on the ground in Canada, New York or Albany to where I can like talk to members of the community or different part, you know, people in the school to try to get um, some of these kids into these programs. So they're kind of taking care of that. And then, you know, if I can get more resorts involved, um, I can kind of start breaking down the cost basically is the next step. Something that I have a little more control over is breaking down the costs, which would be talking to resorts and kind of just being like, hey, I have this group of people through this program that I'm running. Um, I'm a super famous pro skier, man. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, let's get these kids some tickets. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of like the steps that I'm trying to take is just small steps and, you know, more to kind of what you were asking is like what I'm thinking long-term and it's like long-term it's kind of hard to like, again, like, will this work scaling up? I don't really know. Um, I kind of have a framework of like basically contacting other people to help share the burden of the work. Like where it's like, if you can contact a couple of nonprofits and skiing or clubs that are already running um, and you're say, you know, uh, I don't know, Will Wesson or something, or I guess just Nick Epper, whatever. If there's a foundation outside of like, um, you know, where he grew up, uh, which is in Indiana, um, spacing on the name, but anyways, um, say he, there's a cool foundation there that gets good skiing. Like let's have Nick like go and like help fundraise for them or like post a link that someone can share, tell his friends, like whatever. Um, so I think that's kind of like, you know, how I would think about scaling up and then long, long-term goal is, you know, get the kids skiing and then start getting, um, some people ch more chances through sponsorship and uh, like an academy or something to where it's like, yo, like there's a kid like in like, uh, I don't know, like uh, outside of the Philadelphia ski club that skis with the NBS people. We hooked him up with skis for the last two years. He's so stoked on free skiing. Let's get him out to like a, you know, free session somewhere at a summer camp or like, let's uh, talk to an academy and be like, hey, is there some kind of scholarship that we can get? Um, Cause it's like, you know, the first step is get people skiing um, you know, it's like people that wouldn't have the opportunity. So it's like that, you know, low, low income bracket or just you don't have the opportunity. And the next thing I think, which, which is kind of important, which is really important actually 
is just like, you know, getting uh, just a more diverse background in free skiing. So if it's, you know, start with skiing, like get kids skiing, do what I can to get more kids skiing. And then if someone's interested in free skiing, because free skiing is cool, it's appealing to the younger generation. It's something else to do. Like there's videos to watch. It's, it's fun. Um, you know, get them, give them opportunities to basically, um, you know, give like show some more diversity in the sport. It's, you know, interesting that it's like when you watch the X games or do tour, like, um, there's, it's, it's a pretty, you know, obviously there's people, um, that aren't just kind of, you know, white males or whatever, like, you know, there's, there's some diversity, there is some diversity, but there's not like an incredible amount of diversity, especially in free skiing. Um, because, you know, it's not in the sport in general. It's like, I mean, we, are there more people coming into the sport of different diverse backgrounds? Sure. But like, we're not at the point where that's the norm in any way. Right. It's not, that's just not where we're at right now. It's getting better, but it's not like we're at the finish line. No. And and I think that it's like, again, it's, uh, you know, more people are kind of coming into the sport, like, um, but at the same time, like how, how much lag is there going to be before there's going to be like some good representation in say the X games or on the podium or on the Olympic team. Like we're talking generations like that is like, right. not generations, sorry, but like a while. many, many years, you know, like uh, a decade or something to where, you know, you can really start getting some more, uh, you know, diversity in like, you know, top. And, and so, and, and that's the thing is like, there's, like, I think that, like, when I'm thinking about it, I'm, like, not necessarily thinking that, like, oh, there needs to be someone in the X Games. Um, but it, it, it very much does, like, you know, I was watching the Serena Williams movie, like, King Richard, the other day. I don't know if you watched that, but that's a fucking great movie. Like, and it's, like, very much shows that the effect that, like, you know, yes. having, you know, like, having, like, two people who just dominate for, like, years um, at the top of the game, like, showing some, like, good representation, because that gets other people stoked, um, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's, what's needed kind of in skiing. Um, and even on the NBS website, I think it does have like a, a mission statement with like, kind of like looking forward to like what they're trying to accomplish. And it was, um, having like, kind of like an Olympic athlete, uh, you know, or someone that's in the Olympics to represent the NBS club and represent like, you know, you know, black people in skiing, right. um, which it, it's, it's important to them. And it's like, you can see, it's like, even, uh, so, uh, remember X, the X-Files? when they yeah. were first coming out like yeah. uh, late nineties or something, there's something called the Scully effect. And basically the Scully effect is where it's like, after the X-Files kind of came out, there's a, you know, a notable rise in females in sciences. Like what, I don't know if they call it STEM, like the acronym or something, but science, right. medicine, tech, whatever. And, and it was again, attributed to the X-Files and having a strong female, uh, like basically, you know, lead like in this position of doing all these things that really hasn't been on tv too much or at least on like a very hit show um so i think that you know again moving back to kids ski for free um it's like you know get the kids skiing the next thing is like who like who likes free skiing enough that they want to like how can we hook them up like um so again this is this is the goal um and it's like i who do you think the pressure falls on in this case and it sounds like you're saying like it, it falls on the athletes in some ways, but who do you think the pressure falls on to make these kind of changes in the industry and actually start this progression, right? Because you're taking the initiative out of a want to do it, right? Because you personally want to do something about it. But who 
who would you like to see be a little more involved in this side of things? Yeah. So I, I think right now that it's, um, there is a lot happening. So it's like even Vail, like the, um, what's the ex-CEO now or whoever's the CEO, uh, Cats, Cats. Cats. Yeah. 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 Um, so right. they even have a, they even have a foundation set up. Oh, I hit them up to see if they wanted to like do a collab or something, didn't get an email back by the way, what a veil. Um, but uh, like, you know, they have a foundation that helps do that through snowboarding, like Burton's had like some really great programs. So there, there already are programs, um, but I think it's like, it is just, again, like free skiing, it's like, it's a niche of a niche, you know, like right. there's, um, however, the presentation of free skiing on the, I would say national stage is something where it's like, yeah, this is half pipe and skiers flipping around and like, you know, coverage on NBC and stuff for like, you know, a couple weeks. And then like, whether you watch X games or not, like this is, you know, it's an exciting thing. It helps draw people in. So again, like, you know, having someone, you know, in, in that, that's representing like a different group of people than just like a bunch of white people, I think, I think is very important. So it's like, um, there has to be a little fostering again, like on the free ski side, I think to make that happen, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. But I do think that it needs to be in what I, I see as like an industry collaboration starting at the industry level. Um, like I haven't really posted much about this. Like I've maybe posted a couple things about links for fundraisers or something, but um, this is kind of the first time that I'm really just going well, again and kind of talking about it with anyone that's besides like Lion Skis and some of my friends, um, basically in a couple of resorts. Because um, I don't want to have to be the person like shouting it out. I want to be kind of dancing around on TikTok being like, this, this is what you need to do. Like, I think that it's like, that's almost like, I have a super big problem with social media. So for right now, and again, like my, my plan will probably have to change to where I'll have to like really kind of like stretch myself out past what I'm comfortable on social media, what I think is an acceptable thing form of uh, communications for getting across what I'm trying to do. But um, for right now, I want it industry led. That's why I kind of just really talked, kept it to resorts that I've emailed it to um, and then brands. Um, yeah. And I think that it, it should grow in the industry for a couple of years. I want to, you know, see how this turns out, have like kind of a proof of concept and then be able to move to, um, you know, talk to some organizations like NS2A um, or just Skiria Magazine or, you know, just kind of like larger. And again, you know, each one of those people are already linked up with programs, but it's like, I think that um, Shara Winter Foundation actually is a really good program where it kind of like, um, more of like a wholesale, like this is what's going to help kids, like a, like a little more, yeah, a broader stroke with it. Um, but again, I think having smaller or local um, groups is really important. So that's kind of, you know, there's a lot of things already kind of happening, but it's like, that's where I want to kind of find my niche in all of this is like helping out like these smaller, smaller clubs that already maybe, you know, connected to share a winner or something or, um, but that's kind of, I think where, uh, I kind of see myself. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that like for a lot of these groups and a lot of these people, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. It, they don't know how to get access. They don't know how to even make the next steps. And I think in a lot of ways, somebody like you can be a bridge for a lot of these organizations to kind of actually make a bigger impact too, because some of these organizations do exist. It's just that not enough happens with them or, you know, they kind of don't get pushed. They don't get the right eyes on them. And they're maybe not supported by actual ski companies, by people within the industry, and honestly, this is a really important topic to talk about in skiing because it's the only way that any of us are ever going to, it, it's the only way that the sport's ever going to grow, 
is if we get more people involved in skiing. And honestly, it should be as simple as everybody deserves the opportunity to try this and find out if they like it, right? There shouldn't be a barrier to entry that's gear and cost, um, at least not as high as it is, right? And everybody, whenever I post about this or talk about this on social, I'm always met with the like, oh, they could find gear if they really want to, right? Or it's like, oh, they can go skiing if they really want to. And I'm just like, how and why would they want to, right? You don't see anybody that looks like you out there on the hill. And if you do, it's pretty limited. You don't have any reason to want to go out there and do this cold, expensive, difficult sport that just like it just costs a shit ton of money for people to actually go out there and, and get good at it. Right. It's not like go once because if you go once skiing, it's not like you figured the whole thing out and you're like, this is you know, this is perfect. This is what I want to do. Very seldom do people fall in love with it on their first time. So it's just it's a really interesting conversation. And I actually like I applaud you for for having it like you've been in my dms a couple times now talking about this kind of thing because it's clearly very important to you uh yeah and so i'm trying to okay so what really like kind of started this off is like not this summer but the summer before no no it was this like summer like really in the summer i was on new schoolers and i post there every once in a while and um one of the more frequent posters um like there's a post that I, like basically it was something to the effect of like um like oh black people like maybe some black people don't even want to ski like some people don't want to see it was like something yeah, where it was like I'm, yeah like it was like not blatantly racist to say but it was like very ignorant in the context of like what was going on like in the post before i probably just turned to a shit show um but, but anyways and that kind of set me off and i know the guy too and it's like well fuck this guy and it's like <laughs> you know so i just like you know that it kind of just it kind of just fucking made me mad. And I was just like, Oh, like, this is like, I forgot that this is like a thing. And it's like, again, like it wasn't like a super like directly, like, you know, whatever post. And yeah. So I, I don't know. It's like, there's still kind of like a lot of, uh, just kind of minds need to be changed a little bit on like certain things, but like, um, people have been too comfortable in skiing for a long time, I think, because everything has kind of been the same. I can't tell you, like, my dad's Arab and, like, so obviously I am too, but, like, he's very Arab in the sense that, like, big beard, accent, like, not a not a typical skier type. And the amount of just, like, blatant racism that you hear, like, and not even, they don't even think they're being hateful. And they wouldn't, if you ask this person if they were racist, they would be like, no, like, I'm being friend. But it's like, it that kind of shit happens all the time in ski shops and on the hill because people are so comfortable with like the way that they have it and the way that things are. And it's just like, they know all their friends, all their friends are white, all their friends are, especially in skiing, they see all the same people over and over again. So you get that kind of stuff more and more often when it's not the norm. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that's just like, a so, and it's like, there's, I, I'm not trying to, again, I don't want to try to be like too, like, you know, I, I've really, I haven't really like, I'm, I want to keep my words like very careful kind of like when I talk about certain things, because like, I very much do like try to look at both sides of like what, you know, people are saying, like, I'm an extremely, I'm an extremely liberal person. Like I'm a social Democrat, Bernie bro forever. Um, I, you know, when I donate to uh, political campaigns, I'll usually do it in like, you know, on more downstream tickets or places or like places or governors right. like 
whatever. And they're usually um, people, you know, people of color and shit. And it's like, you know, because I think, again, it's like, I, I look at things from a very historical context sometimes. Like, I'm not like a fucking historian or anything, but it's like, I did pretty well, pretty well in high school, but it's always kind of like been an interest to me. So, like, when I look at like the history of just like, I don't like, you know, forever ago, like 10,000 years, like civilization moving forward, like the last thousand years, last, you know, 50 years, the last 10 years. And it's just like, I try to put historical context into like the decisions that I'm kind of making in the way that. Like, I want to, like, try to understand the formation or the foundation of certain problems, um, which, and again, it's like, you know, there's a lot of, like, I, I, like, I even had to, like, look up critical race theory and, like, you know, I'm looking through things and I'm thinking, I'm like, this just sounds like history, kind of. Like, it's just like an accurate representation. And it's like, there's a lot of countries that, you know, in the last 75 years did some pretty freaking horrible things. And in some places, those are not taught. And so it's like, people... And kind of like maybe their ignorance towards different situations or different people is like, because it's like, there's been just like a lot of what it would be whitewashing of like history of all different cultures, um, you know, in education systems. And it's, I don't know, man, it's like a, it's like kind of like a crazy societal problem that I'm sure has been going on for, you know, hundreds and not thousands of years. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like it's a thing that happens and it happens a lot of times behind closed doors where it's like nobody else ever says anything. Nobody ever really cares. And the talked about party is never like even in the room for it to be like nobody. Nobody's there to even say anything one way or the other. So it just continues and continues and continues. And that's how you have all those like those weird, awkward, uncomfortable race conversations now are are important to have because nobody's ever really paid attention to it until fairly recently. It feels like in skiing at least. So, yeah. And okay. So I guess here's like a little, uh, another part of the reason why, like, you know, I think this is important and like embracing like some of these, like just embracing different people that are outside of like, all right. So for me being a U.S. citizen, being in America, like, you know, there's going to be rich, there's going to be poor, there's going to be middle class, like whatever. Um, there's black, there's white, there's, every, there's all different people here. And that's what makes us like an awesome society. And the problem is with America is my America is the idea of having a fair shake, like a fair deal. Everyone gets a fair deal. Even if you're born, um, you know, in a poor family, you have a fair deal because you can go to a public school that is, you know, hopefully going to be on par, which it's not with other places around. Like, so there's a lot of systematic things that really destroy my idea of what America is. And that's just like a fair deal. So Mm -hmm. you have people that are literally put in cities by racist politicians that are, you know, 60, 70 years ago. This has been a perpetuating thing since like, you know, fucking slavery. So like all this, you kind of like, and people wonder why, like, oh, like everyone, like there's not racism in America. And there's like, not this, like, even if like when there is for sure racism in America, Um, and there's some pretty blatant and there's also a lot that's not blatant. And it's like, I think that very much the ski industry, like, obviously is like not racist. There's, uh, you know, almost it, you can't say that you can't say people are racist in a lot of regards, but there can say that there's like an ignorance of like, you know, why isn't there more black people in skiing? Well, it's because of decades and, you know, hundreds of years of like basically racist, um policies that are still going on today judges that were appointed in the 60s 
where it's like, it was only, you know, what, like my, my grandma, my grandma, like, yeah, like my, my one, grandparents. Yeah. It's one generation. It's not, many, it's not, it's not like far removed, especially historically, like right. in the context of time. And so it's like, this is why there is a problem. This is why, you know, if there's a problem in like, say skiing or whatever, um, free ski, like, yo, like, you know, there's a reason why there's that problem. So let's find some solutions to help fix it. This is a, this is a thing that's just been, you know, you can't put people, um, you know, in shitty neighborhoods and like fucking huge buildings in the cities and basically have them be the service class for, again, like, you know, even after, you know, slavery, emancipation proclamation, and then moving forward to the civil rights movement. And it's still, it's still a problem. Like there's still generations, you know, out there that are, and this is why that it's like, you don't have like a big, uh, group of people, you know, minorities skiing. It's because it's like they were put into these situations by a bunch of white people over decades, racist white people. And like, you know, so like there is a problem. Clearly there's a problem. So helping find a solution or whatever. And again, like I, I want to be, I wish I was more careful with my words. Um, like, but I don't, I don't want to be like too, like, too militant about it. Like, I want to stay like fairly grounded in the conversation again. And Which is everything hard that... to fucking do, by the way. Like, it's really hard to be like coherent and have the conversation and not be aggressive about something you're really passionate about, like this. That can be very personal. Yeah, and it's it again. That's why I try to bring everything, and I've been trying to just do this in life more of the historical context of like why these situations are ha- happening because of like you know policies and government and again, like that affects like kind of the way that, you know, I would vote and, you know, participate in this democracy. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a long, it's a long battle, I think. And I think it's going to be something that will get fixed. And I think there are a lot of people that are trying very hard, especially like if you take everybody at face value on the internet, which obviously you can't really do, but there's a lot of people out there that seem to want to do some good and want to actually make some changes. And start seeing this whole thing progress from being just like a rich white guy sport. Right. And I think that's the conversations are being had more often. And I think that's the step that needed to be taken in. I mean, maybe it needed to be taken a few years ago, but we're here in 2021 and people are talking about it way more than I've ever heard them talk about it before. Um, And maybe I'm paying attention more, but it's, it, it seems to really matter to a lot more people. So I'm glad, I'm glad the conversation's being had. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I really have no idea. It's just kind of like, like, I don't know, why not? You know, like, why not? Burn helmets. Uh, if you are a person, you need a helmet. Uh, and if you need a helmet, Burn Helmets has one for you. Um, bike, ski, whatever. Uh, they make some awesome, awesome product right here out of Massachusetts. And uh, I am, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I mean, it's it's been the helmet that I've been wearing for a long time, mostly because it's the kind of helmet that fits my head well. It's comfortable. It doesn't look stupid. I don't know. Some helmets look stupid still, right? I, I don't know. Maybe no helmets look stupid, but burn helmets definitely don't look stupid. Uh, they're comfortable. They're lightweight. And most importantly, they protect your head. They're all available with MIPS. And that's really all you need to know. Um, some great styles available. Go to burnhelmets.com. Use promo code out of 15 and you can save 15% off on your purchase of a burn helmet. And I'm telling you, big head people, this is for you. Like they have a helmet that fits your head. Small headed people too. I don't want to like, 
but I'm personally talking from the stance of someone who has a gigantic head. They have a helmet for you. So check out burnhelmets.com. Promo code is out of 15. Well, shifting gears for people who are probably like, okay, we get it. You guys want to uh, make skiing more inclusive. Um, what, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is like you, you've been doing telefriend tour forever. You've been doing line traveling circus forever. You've been doing a lot of things for a minute now. How have you managed to not be completely burnt out? Um, because like you still, I mean, whether you are or not, right. Like, but you still put on a smiling face, you show up, you do kids events, you like hang out with kids after skiing rails on shitty conditions to ski sundown and eat pizza with them like that. That shit fucking matters. And I, I just am always impressed as somebody who is like currently burning out super hard. I just wonder how you manage to continue doing this after, like year in and year out. Um, yeah, no, I, I get burnt out all. And, and that's one of the things is I think what makes kind of me relatable a lot is like, I'm pretty like when I talk to someone, like I'm pretty, like, I'm not, you know, pretty straightforward with them. Um, so it's like, there has been times where I've definitely like remember a kid saying like, yeah, dude, you were here last year and you were not looking good. You were like, super <laughs> like, and, and I remember that year and it's like specifically, and it's like at that time, it was like four years, five years ago. Um, I was on the road and at that time I was engaged to someone and, you know, it didn't work out and I was on the road. So I was like, you know, the show must fucking go on. Like I have nothing to go back home for, for a little bit. So fuck it. Um, so obviously I stayed on the road and it's like, I was not like, so it was like, you know, definitely I'm a person that my emotions get to me sometimes. Um, and I think that being on the road almost enhances that, you know, there's definitely been times for telefront tour and, um, where it's like, I was literally dry, like the van broke down somewhere in like Malone, New York. I like had to try to get a fix. They had to get an alternator. And at the same time I had to, I believe drop Ross off at like some airport outside of DC. And then I was also driving at that time to my aunt's uh, wake in Maryland. So it's like, all this is happening in between like stops of a tour where the van breaks down and I'm like driving, like, I don't know, like hundreds of miles around the East coast. And then like eventually picking the van up, going back to New York and jumping back on the tour. It's like, <laughs> it's like it gets like kind of like pretty, like there is like a lot of times where it's like, you know, you're skiing, you're filming, you're doing the tour, you're doing whatever. Um, like life like will fucking hit you like you'll have family shit that comes up like you will be in the middle of some place that's absolutely beautiful or you know driving on the road and um you have to deal with like something that's like pretty fucking serious in your life you know where it's like you're not really sure what to do or it's like very emotionally taxing and it's like already adding to like a very like hectic travel schedule sometimes um you know it can really you know really heightens things so um i think that what for me, I have an end, end of like, I, there's like a, a, you know, it's a tunnel for me and I can see the light because I'm doing the tour. You seem like you're kind of like on a schedule of you'll be doing like a lot of these and working another job. So it's like, I, it's like, I have a fixed date of when I'm going to end the tour. And like, we have pretty fixed dates of like when I'm doing TC. So I think, yeah. So like having that, um, at least for skiing, like I think is always something where it's like, like, you know, makes me more stoked. And I think with this whole COVID thing too, it's like, I've really been, um, it's like cooler to go out like somewhere. Like I'm not like fucking, you know, not sitting around home or something like it's like, so at least for the last, like last year and then hopefully this year, I'll be just kind of like stoked to get out. But 
Pro programs like the kids ski for free. I think that was like something like midway through last year, the tour, um, I was pretty, uh, I just like kind of like really wanted to like help make at least like see what I could do basically and put some things into, you know, planning. So I think that's like, you know, something that like kind of after seeing a bunch of kids, I was like, Oh, it'd be cool to see more kids or like if I can help out or whatever. So, um, finding little projects. And I think that like basically looking at like, literally like it's like, sometimes it's like you're, feeling pretty fucked and like kind of like life sucks or something um but it's like okay like this is like something i put on this is like this is like a show like i'm gonna like fucking keep on doing it and that's also kind of another way to like miss the burnout and i think like probably comp skiers use that a lot too it's like okay like this is the season this is what i'm doing like you know sometimes i have to like dive in and be like yeah this is my life i'm living in a van for like a, you know three weeks and it's like really smelly and sweaty and we're like skiing every day and also filming and it's like i have to fucking fix something on my fucking house or it's like there's a problem with my fucking insurance or fucking whatever so it's like i think like you know diving into like what's happening and trying to like be a little bit more in the now even if the now sucks um i think really does uh kind of like help a little bit but burnout yeah. is a thing i guess i can imagine like with the comp and film skiers like they must like yeah they have i don't know it's different though like you have people that like i don't know if this is better or worse and i i've kind of been going back and forth about it in my head but when you show up those kids that are there and people that are there to see you and hang out with you aren't thinking about your life right they are just like psyched to have you there so like i don't i don't know if that makes it better or worse for you than a comp skier right because they're just psyched. It's hard for you to, I imagine it's hard for you to not look at them and be like, okay, these people don't give a shit if my house is burning down or my aunt just died or like any of these things, they just care that you're there and they're happy to see you. So like, that sounds like a really good thing, right? It, yeah. It, I would say that makes it way easier than being like a comp scare. Like you don't have to like worry about dying. Like, doing like <laughs> that part, yeah, that part's true. Or like the stress of competent. No. And I can just, again, like when I show up these places, like I'm very like, you know, like pretty real, like, I'm like, what's up? You want to eat some pizza kid? Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, you know, right. so it's like pretty. And when the kids are stoked too, it also like, again, then that's kind of like a cool, like, you know, something you get out of it is like, you know, if kid is super stoked to see you, um, like that's awesome. And it kind of, you know, it gets you stoked. It kind of like helps again, shift whatever else you have going on. And I think that's again, like, so with, with the tour, it's just kind of like, when I think about it, it's like, I, I forget sometimes that like, it's like kind of like a, a, de a deal to like have like meet Will Wesson or LJ or something like that. Like I forget and I have to kind of like look back to my childhood, like meeting Dave Creighton. I was fucking blown away. Um, so it's like, you know, that's like something that helps like shift you into like the perspective of like, you know, making it go on and just helping not kind of burn out with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It's, it's been going on for a minute now too. So, I mean, props for still, for still rolling this thing on. How, one of the things I wanted to ask you was how do you pitch this and get more funding for this year after year? I mean, because it's one of the more successful things and programs that goes on because like line keeps supporting it. Right. And you have people that you can go to year after year and be like, Give, I need money. I need to fund this thing. And I need to figure this out. How how do you make that work? And how do you make that work financially for yourself? Because I, I feel like I've talked about this a lot lately, but it's not like every pro skier is making it 
rich. There's a very, very few of them are, in fact. So how do you make this whole thing work between the logistics of running Telefrentor and the logistics of running Andy Perry as the business, of, like the side of you that is the pro skier? Yeah, so the Telefrentor, um, like we do, I think we're on our 10th year. I think we've done over like 200 and something event days. Um, and we've built a relationship with, uh, kind of like resorts for a while. So it's like, you know, usually I'll have like a core group of like eight different resorts that I've worked with for the last, you know, six years. Unfortunately, when, um, I think Pete got bought by Vale, Boston, Brandywine, Mad River, kind of Boston, Brand or, uh, Big Boulder. Anyways, that kind of, cause I had some good relationships with marketing people there. So that unfortunately like literally took away like five or six resorts that I was working with. Um, cause we're, it's a little bit different with, I think, insurance requirements and it's kind of like been a little bit more difficult, um, which is really a big bummer because going to those places, they're all like a lot of stoked kids, but, um, maybe in the future we can work something out, but, um, it's, uh, I think, you know, just again, having repeat customers and then every year we get kind of some new resorts and some people shift out, which again was those peak and Vail resorts that have kind of shifted out over the last couple of years. Um, but you know, we'll post something like we're coming here because we'll DM us and I'm like, yo, have your resort DM. So it's a lot of Instagram kind of like, or, you know, people will hit, uh, hit, uh, sorry, hit us up or I'll see a ski resort. That's, you know, I haven't heard of. And I'll be like, Oh, let me hit them up. Like, Hey, my name's Andy Perry. I do this free skiing thing. Like, you know, this is what we need. This is what we'll give you. Um, so that's like, you know, it's kind of organically happens getting new resorts. Um, then we have our you know, old resort sponsors is a little bit trickier. We have not a crazy turnover, but a decent turnover sponsors. In fact, unfortunately we lost one uh, today. I just saw an email and it's damn, oh. it's late to, yeah. And it's like late to say no, man. But uh, anyways, um, so we're going to try why to find something. Say else. No on a year like this year, like everybody's selling enough product and maybe this is why, like everybody's selling enough product to pay for whatever the fuck, like it's not a, Nobody's COVID hurting in the ski industry right now. And if they are, they're making a product that isn't worth selling. Like, yeah, I, I'm, it's, you know, whatever I'm going to, I, I like to keep on good terms with everyone, but a bit of a bummer, especially because uh, I honestly start selling this and sending emails like, I don't know, late May um, to sponsors. Like I had a list that I was doing last year. I gave up actually a uh, spreadsheet of me DMing. It was basically going to be a flow chart of like, um, me like different ways that I'm hitting up a cold call, a cold DM or an email from like a friend. So I kind of was tracking everything. And I had about like eight different people that I hit up on my spreadsheet and that was for last year. And it whittled down to, um, no one that I had contacted that was a new contact, um, that I got any money from. It was like a friend of a friend, like at a, uh, saga last year hooked us up for the tour. And that was because of like, you know, I was friends with like the, the guy running it. So, um, Sponsors are super hard, man. And getting past any kind of ski sponsor into a non-endemic sponsor, um, you know, is pretty hard. This, this, I mean, this year we have Liquid Death who's joining us, um, and you know, they're they're hooking up with a good amount of product, and it's like a cool in. But um, it's been super hard to find anyone that's outside of skiing. Like I talked to Tanner's agent, and I talked to. Um, Yaps and then Jersey Mike a couple of years ago, they're agents in skiing. And I was like, Hey, I got this thing. And they're like, cool, you're surviving and you're making a little bit of money. <laughs> you're fucking doing awesome. And I was just like, Oh, and they're like, yeah, we can't really help you. And I was like, all right. And they're like, but you're doing it. So good luck. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, 
why the fuck is it like this? Like, that's my, I, so I, this interview hasn't come out yet, but I talked to Kyle's main a couple days ago and he was saying like, you know, top 10 ranked half, half pipe skier in the world was making $5,000 annually from spawns. And, and you know, like this kind of stuff is fucking crazy to me. And I will never understand why sponsors don't get behind this kind of thing more. Like it's it because you sell product, like you fucking push product. There is no, you're a marketing tool, but for some reason, because you're a human being on the other side of it, they don't treat you like marketing. They treat you like a guy they're giving money to, which is weird. I don't, I mean, I think that there's, there's different ends of the spectrum on kind of like that whole thing of like, I mean, there's a lot of brands who don't have the money. Like quite honestly, like if I'm getting, if I, if uh, I'm talking to a brand and they want to give me two or $3,000 for the year, like I'm taking that. Like, I don't like, even if it's a fucking a thousand dollars, like, dude, I'll, I'll take a thousand dollars and make some Instagram. Like I, I'm, I can't, there is no being picky um, at kind of like the level and I imagine it's only going to get harder for anyone else that's not like a cop guy um, or person. Um, so it's like, I, I like, again, like I, I look at it as like, if I get $2,000 from a company, um, like that's like, I don't know what, like two, three weeks of work or something. Like, it's like, yeah, that's, I'll take that. Like, um, and it's, there's, I don't know if, for the tour, it's, there's always been like the, like, you know, the mythical whale, like that, that one whale who's going to swim in and just give you like 20 G's for something. And it's like, you know, I'm thinking 20 G's and it's like, if you're, I would say if you're like in any other industry besides the ski and snowboard industry, unless it's like scootering or maybe scootering, it would be like kind of like laughing, like as like an activation that does like this many stops or if there was like a company yeah, that was going to yeah. do it internally, it would be that. And see, that, I think that's the problem. Spy had a tour going. Um, for a couple of years, there was, um, I think there's been a couple other ones like that have kind of come and gone. Um, and well, Phil and Hendricks, which was just them going around and skiing, which was sick. Um, it's in, there's, they're, they're, when they did their tour like eight years ago or whatever it was, that was definitely a big inspiration, um, for like kind of how I modeled some stuff. But as for like a company, like putting like an activation tour together, other than like a demo, like a demo, like local rep demo thing. Um, it's pretty, uh, like no one's really doing it. And I think that it's because when they look at how much it costs, like, oh, we have to have like an ID and then we're going to have to have like this and this and this, like to do it as just like one company is like pretty expensive. And then you have to deal with scheduling with the resorts and it's, it ends up being like, you know, like I have to have, like, I have like, you know, insurance, I have to talk to an insurance adjuster. I like have, like, I just, I let my, I had to renew my DBA, uh, telefriend tour, which is under crazy real LLC which is both registers of state of Oregon. I have to pay fucking taxes and a fee every year. And then I, I do my, like, you know, I've all the, in, I have the income from the different. So it's like, it, it ends up being a job. Like it's, it's like a job. fucking job. Like that's the thing yeah. is, and that's why it's so frustrating to me on this side of things. It's like you guys across the board, especially people like you that are doing things, you're doing activations, you're doing events. And I'm not just like fluffing you here. Like I, it really you guys need to get paid and these companies have the money to pay people. And I know this like firsthand, right? I'm telling you because like I work with brands and I watch them give, give us money when they like us and don't give us money when they don't like us. Right. It's like, if they feel like it's worth it, they bring out the, the checkbook. It's just making them feel like it's worth it. And 
It's also the fact that they know that nobody's really going to talk about it, right? We're all just going to take like whatever we get and kind of go away with it to the point where nobody's like having that conversation enough where they feel like they're forced to put that into the budget more. Like you sell more skis than comp skiers, like than most comp skiers with the exception of some like four line for sure. You, Andy Perry sold more line skis than, I don't know, pick a random middle of the pack comp skier that's making real money. It's not not what it used to be. Like you are, you have that value and you have for over a decade now. So Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you specific. I'm just saying like, it's fucked up. Yeah. Well, two things. Like, um, I think like one, like the, how I have like my sponsors for myself in the tour, which um, for myself, it's like pretty much line and then like outdoor tech and then cool Kia, maybe they email me back because it's winter. Now. <laughs> that was a weird one. I, I wanted to ask you about that one when that would happen. Cause I'm like, this is a bag company from mass and like, yeah. It's a weird connection. Okay. So, well, okay. Uh, well, yeah. All right. So one thing is sponsor, Yeah. Yeah. The sponsors that I have like line has is like, I, you know, definitely had worked my way up and like line kills it. Like there's like, you know, there are core groups of people that are willing to spend money um, and do it year after year because they understand. And this is what a lot of brands don't understand. I've worked with a good amount of fucking brands is that like you, it, it's not just a year thing. Like this is something it's like, you have to build like a, you know, you, I have to tie my brand with your brand. Our identities have to start merging. And I think that's what line has done extremely well. And it's like line has always had the advantage of, you know, being part of K2, having a huge distribution system, having like a, you know, a factory and everything. So it's like, they're definitely like, um, they're, they have a, it's a different case than other brands. But that being said is line has always embraced us. And in return, I think they have done pretty well. And as what you were saying before with comp skiers, there was a year, the year that we had the first line traveling circus ski, I think we sold, I can't remember, but it was between, I think two of the, for two of the years that we sold, it was like 2000 skis. Um, And I think during one of those years, the Simon Dumont Pro Model skis, it sold like 60 or 80 of them. That's like not even fucking close. Like, and honestly... I can't tell you, as somebody who's been working in a ski shop for the last decade, more motherfuckers come into a store and go, I want this line ski because of you guys. Like, because of Traveling Circus, because of what you guys created, not because of any other reason, right? Like, that's why people came to the brand. So, like, that value that you created for them isn't unique to line, right? You can create that value for any brand. It just so happens that line is, like, what's being there, promoted in this. Yeah. And sometimes different companies, because I there I've worked with companies before where it's like, okay, we're gonna give you four thousand dollars for a tour sponsor. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, like here's my deliverables page. Like um, you know, I have like a PDF, I have a kit for reserve, I got all the shit. And then it's like, you know, I email them after every like you know weekend basically or every like couple stops, I send a tour update. And so it's like there's like you know between five and eight of them that go to all the sponsors. And it's like, this is where we went. This is what we did. Here's the media. And it's like the companies that I think get more out of it are the ones that are like posting the media. So yeah, they use like it. line. Yeah. They, they use it. They're like, fuck, we're paying for this. Like, yeah, give us. And some other people just don't care. And I think uh, what I've seen is the people that 
are a little more engaged or like, you know, part of free skiing. Cause it's like a lot of brands, like you'll talk to someone, they're like, yeah, I don't ski. And you're like, Oh, all right. Well, this is what I do. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's like, obviously the people that are more into it. So again, like, you know, using line skis as another example, they just fucking, they do a really good job. They, it's, yeah. uh, they, they get it. And I think that like over the years, like line has always, you know, I don't think I've ever really felt, too shorted um like uh, there's definitely times where it's like you know like you know like what the fuck but there those were the early days and that's what it's like for an early you know but it's like i i I can't complain about anything that i get from line skis like they're one of the only people that has consistently been there and again um that brand relationship has turned into some real money for them i think it's been like a really good a really really good relationship and um what so the other thing that i was like was kind of like what you're talking about real quick was um like you know you can be a whatever you can like all right will won the x games will won the x games when he did his real street what four years ago five years ago now um he couldn't get a clothing sponsor for like six or seven grand like that was like he's been waiting for like a sponsor like a outerwear sponsor for like it's been like since uh orage and that was like six years ago and it's like you know, he's not asking for like a lot of money. He's not asking for 20, 30, 40, $50,000. Like he's looking to partner with the brand and make something happen. Um, so it's like, but if he knew, if he knew someone, if he knew, knew someone like, oh, he knows like the DP of marketing. Of, You're a shoe in. Yeah, there you go. Like how much do you need? Like, are you friends with like, uh, there's oh, a guy. No. Who's, yeah. So, and that's, that's very much the ski industry in a nutshell is like, I, I met, I'm online skis and where I am today because I was friends with Will Wesson. Will Wesson went to college with, I think like a couple other friends, Tyler Seacrest and maybe met Jeff Curry. And then the meathead started filming with them or they met him through Eric Olson or whatever. And it's like, I, it's all through like those connections. And it's like, there's those weird, like, you know, third or fourth degree connections. And then there's like the closer ones yeah. that like straight up, if like you're going out and that's one thing that the tour never really, or I never really did is like, I want a couple years essay, but it's like, never going out like i'm not hanging out in denver i'm not hanging out at comps where there's like the it's not necessarily saying that i would you know this is advice i guess for the next generation but um i would say that i never i never broke down i never partied down if you like want like a sponsor or whatever like i don't know like you go out drinking in like denver during like one of the conventions or i don't even know if they have their where the fuck they have it these days um but it's like or you know this guy who like is good friends with this guy. Like that is like more about what the ski industry is and getting hooked up um, to where it's like, I don't know, like you can be uh, whatever half, like you can, you could be like whatever person, not whatever person, but like you could be properly linked and you could have like a pretty good contract for X amount of years. Like that's, for sure. you gotta bro down. You gotta bro down. Dude, it's like, who you cool. know. It's like, I've, I've heard people complain about this for forever. It's like, you'll be like the, most ripping is gear. You'll be the guy that gets all the attention, but the rep's friend gets all the hookup. You know, like it's just like that's a common thing that ends up happening in this industry. It really is who you know, and that part's shitty. But I, I don't know. It's it's fucking hard because if you are that person, you want to hook up your friends, right? Like so, it's like it's a weird catch twenty two where like there's a limited amount of options from these companies, and they, I just think it boils down to. They do not value the athlete nearly enough because the athlete doesn't have the ability to go, oh, I know this person's getting paid this much. I need to get paid that much. And I know I can get it because I know 
what's happening across the board, right? And that's that's that, one of the, that would be dope if that's how it works. But uh, it's, it's like not. That's, that's exactly. But like that's where I think it starts happening a little more. I forget who what, Hackle. I talked to Hackle a couple, last week, and he mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, when Tom Brady signs a new contract, Russell Wilson knows how much he makes, right? So when when he goes and makes that new contract." And obviously different because teams versus individual sponsors. I, I, I understand this, but yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Like I, I don't know. Like that's, I guess. Like you could also just hit up someone else on the team or something. That's what like, I mean. Yo. That's more. What, it doesn't. I don't think it should be out in the media. But I, I more yeah. mean like you should be able to talk to like person to person. It should not be a like a taboo thing to talk about. Like what are you making? What are you getting for this contract? I've never been in any kind of situation like that. Let's put it that way, because it's like I am like, again, like if someone's like, yeah, we'll give you a couple of G's. I'm like not going to be like, no, like that other person's making a couple more G's. Like I'm like, yeah, sure. Fucking sign. Like send the contract. Here's my bank account information. Like send me a check. Like whatever you want to do. Like I, I like I can't be picky with tour sponsors. I can't be picky with with anything because it's like. Um, but I think for the next generation, like, or I don't even know how it's really going to go with sponsorships since like videos, video parts were like a super big thing. So it's good. Like, again, like line is, I know supporting, um, like strictly stuff and they do a really good job, but it needs to be like, there just used to be more brands too in the industry. Like now with saga gone, like, I don't know what the hell gyro does if they sponsor anyone, I think Pac and it's like some of these larger companies, um, they're always good for like, you know, they could toss in like money to like a, a comp ski or something, which is, you know, always good. It's like, you know, if you're a comp skier and you're putting your fucking life on the line and going and having to do all this training and shit, like good at you, man. Um, like it's just, there's, I just don't think there's enough money in skiing. Like, like, but I, at the same time, like this is what I, so I have to explain this and I've explained this to a couple people like that have like, you know, kind of shot me down, like, yo, like, Great traveling circus, tell friend tour, but like all your fans are like dirty ski bums. And I think one of the uh, previous goggle phone fans I wrote for, that was kind of like the gist of what they're telling me. Um, and I was like, well, here's my Instagram like statistics. And it's like, oh, it's like, uh, you know, 60% are between the ages of 22 and like 30 or whatever, the mostly like 20 age bracket. In. And then it's like, oh, see, there's only a small part of like, you know, people that are under 18. And it's like, those people that are under 18 that come into tour in Connecticut, their moms are dropping them off in Teslas and fucking Beamers. They like go and get new ski gear every year. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, this is the, the tour literally goes to some of the most affluent States in America that have the highest disposable income. Like when you go to a parking lot and I look at this shit, so I went to uh, like some resort management shit for college. So I'm always looking at certain things. And it's like, when you see like a bunch of like expensive cars in a parking lot, it's like, this isn't like being in the middle of Wisconsin where it's like, you know, there's not as expensive cars, which is what I've like, kind of like, you know, but anyways, um, and it's like, okay, when you think about it, uh, between the ages of like 22 and like 30 or 35, like that means if you're skiing, it means you're white, basically, you're like a 80% chance of being white, you have like a 50% chance or more to have like a college degree. Um, you know, there's like an X amount, like, I don't know if it's like 40 or 60% that's in like a household that makes like over like 80 or $90,000 a year, or I can't remember if it was individual income, but this is from like the SIA snow sports statistics of like when it was like what, 2017 that I could get my hands on or something. But anyway, so it's like all this stuff where like, there is a lot of money, like the money is somewhere, like someone's like, there's, oh, yeah. there's money happening, but it's just like, 
And this is the problem I think with like, I, even just, I don't like moving into lift tickets and kind of like the, again, like moving past like what, like personal sponsorship stuff, like skier sponsorship, just in general, like lift ticket prices. Like, so Vermont has a website and I think it's like Vermont ski history or something. If you Google yeah. it, yep. they have, and they all have, they all have their historical lift prices which is pretty cool. So you can go up and see what a day ticket and a season pass was. Um, so it's like, I remember looking at that and trying to just like, you know, it's like you can kind of go through all this and like see how much a ski ticket price has been changed since what, I think 2012 is when the Epic Pass first started going and kind of like when Vail and other ski resorts, and this is the thing is once Vail, because I think they own like 30% of the ski market basically in the United States. Um, so like once they kind of like start doing something like say demand and pricing or kind of like this like different season pass push in lieu of like, you know, making money now versus money later, um, you know, very corporate and kind of just like, again, like clinical on what a, a publicly traded company probably should be doing to, you know, because they have to, I own a Vail share, a mountain, uh, like a Vail share, MTN stock. I bought one like two weeks ago. I, I own one share. Yeah, so I can fucking I can vote and I have a say in what the you know it's a very little say and whatever, but <laughs> it is one share worth of say. I have one share worth of say exactly. Um, so it's like just things are just getting more expensive and the trend is just going to keep on going to where obviously it's outpacing whatever federal minimum wage there is by you know whatever because that hasn't changed in whatever no. how many years. Yeah. And then like if you look at certain state minimum wages, it's outpaced that I'm sure by whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's very much, I'm, I'm sure it's outpaced the fucking S&P 500 over the last decade. Um, so like, you know, by like a, a big factor. Um, so it's like, it's insane. It'll be insane to see where it gets um, for pricing. And like, you know, again, like this goes back to like, there's seems like there's a lot of money in the ski industry. And um, it seems like brands, if they can, you know, not having a problem, I think with kind of like supply chain issues have, yeah. have done okay. But I know that a lot of like medium brands have not done okay. Um, and it's been kind of hard for them, but I don't really know too much, but yeah, shit's only getting more expensive. It's only getting more expensive. It's only getting more annoying. And I think we're going to get to the point where, uh, your option to have a day lift ticket is just non-existent, you know, like to get a daily lift ticket is going to be very, very difficult, um, in a few years, right? Because you're looking at like, I'm at Mount Snow right now, for example, cool. you could go on a Friday and you will wait in line for fucking hours and hours and hours because it is like it's the closest vermont resort to yep. where most of that skier traffic that second homeowner traffic comes from in new york new jersey connecticut massachusetts right it's the closest option so that's where everybody goes because everybody has a fucking epic pass and it's not like epic is like oh you can only go to okimo like it's like you go to mount snow that you go to the closest option so unless it snows in one of the other locations and not here, it's a mob scene, right? And Okimo experiences the same thing. Killington experiences the same thing. But it, it's funny to see this as like a test subject for me because it has gotten to the point where, where we used to do, for example, my shop used to do around 30 rentals a weekend. Um, on like a regular non-holiday weekend, we do about 30 rentals. Today's a Friday. It hasn't snowed. It's non-holiday. Nothing's going on. We did 30 rentals in like the last two hours that I've been here. So like it's not we're not talking about the same animal. Like everybody is now up here and they don't give a shit. I had somebody last week that drove up here, rented a car from the day from the city, like went and got went to Enterprise, rented the car for the day, bought a crock pot, 
bought everything they needed to come up and hang out for the weekend, rented for the weekend for nine of them. Like, so nine of them are stuffed oh. in this car, like with all their ski shit and they rent it. And it's like, oh, it's our first time. We're going to have this experience. So this is the level that people are willing to go to, to go skiing. And they all had Epic Passes, by the way. So it's like they will do this over and over again, and it'll be like their trip. It's like what they want to do with their time and their income. And you can't fault them for that. No. Because they just yeah. want to do it, right? They just want to have a good time. But this is the system that's created. And this is a totally different can of worms that maybe we shouldn't even open. But this is the system that's created by Vale and Icon and everybody. All these mega passes, this is what this system allows to happen, right? There's no – you don't select the home mountain – there's not limitations on how it's unlimited pass sales and very limited terrain is, is what it is. Yeah. It's um, it, like, again, like, and I can't, like, I, I could not, like those people are stoked on skiing. They got a good deal in their season pass. Like they're going to take advantage of it. Like that's sick. Like that's like, and that's the thing is it's hard to fault the Epic pass because it is a very good consumer product. If yes. you're using it, if you're using it like those people are, um, right. you know, if it, and, and it's like, I, I, I don't really know. I guess this would be uh, again something that you'd have to talk to. I don't know, fucking economists about, but like where, how, even though prices are driving higher and there seems to be more people in skiing, kind of like where, like you know, where's the end game? Like, is there going to be, because uh, you know, like what's like what what's it going to be like in ten years? Like, is there going to be is it going to become more inclusive be, or exclusive? Because um, you know you have to be a certain like you know if, if a ticket's three hundred dollars like either you're buying that pass for whatever or you're not going skiing like if you're like not rich like a family of four like are you kidding me that wants to go skiing to Kellington on the weekend right now it probably costs them like fifteen hundred or two grand or something it's cheap like, yeah like it's like that's the thing is it's cheap it's hard to be like no it's a bad thing but the problem is you're now they get to control the whole market they curve everything so for example, yeah. it's like now you're paying for parking at Mount Snow, right? Everything in Corinthia is paid parking now. So the areas where people tailgated, hung out in their cars, like that part of the culture in Corinthia is now dead because the it's paid parking Monday through Sunday. It is like you're paying for that. And that's how they're figuring out this lift situation and the parking situation and the traffic situation is like, oh, you just keep paying us more money and like, we'll get you access. Like there can only be so many people here. Cause like, you know, you're paying for parking up front. I, I the whole fast track thing, like when people were oh, like, like, I don't know. And I was just like thinking about, it, I'm like, yeah, man, that does suck. But it's like, I don't know, like no one's making too big of a stink that they like raise their day ticket prices by X amount or they cut this service from here. Or like, right. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's just like a, like, I guess good to like bring a little bit of like, you know, of like, oh, the local, whatever. But it's like, you know, I know Springs just got bought by Vale, which um, was, I think, a $150 million deal for like uh, Springs and Alpine, maybe one other ski resort too. Um, and that part of, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, like, uh, that's like, that's like a lot. Like, that's like another resort where it's like, if you're from, you know, Northern Ohio or that part of Pennsylvania, um, or that like New York or something like there's, you're only going to be at bail. And it's like, it's, yeah. that's like a lot, like it ends up being, you know, like, I don't know there, it will, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep, cause I think they're buying everything on like, it's obviously not with cash. It's like, I think very much like 
you know, they buy something on debt or whatever, or, you know, and they have like a loan from whatever. So they have like loan payments and like, uh, like, but I don't really know. Honestly. Yeah. But I don't know either. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes, especially with the new CEO. Um, I think that is coming in soon. Um, yeah. or is already in. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes, but is there a $300 lift ticket yet? I mean, probably like, I mean, it's like somebody's going to set the bar pretty soon. Like it's it just, know. it is what it is. That's like, and that sticker shock thing. I always get shit whenever I post lift ticket prices. It's like, oh, you're an idiot if you're paying that much. But it's like, no, that's like sticker shock is a real thing. Like we sell, I don't know. I sell on a thousand dollar Arteryx jacket in the store, right? I don't want, it's, and it's always in the back, right? Like, because I never want someone to walk in, look at that tag and go, jackets cost a thousand dollars here. Because that's all yeah. it takes. So yep. like, that's all, and that's all it is. Somebody Googles and they go $200 for a lift ticket. Fuck this sport. I can go ice skating for 20 bucks and go to the movies. I can go sit on my ass. Like, it's like, this is a different, this part, that's what bothers the shit about like about the lift ticket pricing thing. I realize most people don't pay that. I'm not like, and people are also like, the funny thing is people are like, oh, have you ever heard of like a Liftopia or a discount? And I'm like, dog, like shut the fuck up. This is not what the conversation is. Like it's never the conversation. And that's, that's a huge thing is moving to when they did the dynamic pricing, it's kind of like based on the airline model of like, you know, where it's like, I've been to, like, I went to, it was like last year or something, I went to Meadows and it was like, $106 for like a crowded like Saturday. And I was like, well, I, okay. But it's like, you don't like, I didn't have, if you don't have the money or the foresight to buy something six months in advance or eight months in advance, like, right. yeah, you're fucked. And, but this is a whole like part of like, you know, being, this is part of like a market, you know, this is like more of like a, this is, this is what happens. But also it's like, when you get to the extreme, like, like why it's like, you don't have people like little kids, like shoveling coal anymore. It's cause like, the free market went too crazy and started controlling towns by like buying all the real estate and having a, you know, a general store where you only buy a product they bring in they can let these, you know, have these prices that get higher. And it's like, you know, there's, has, there, there has to be like uh, and again, like skiing's not even close to the ticket prices and stuff, but like, you know, things can get out of hands. Like it's not, it's not like it hasn't happened before, but it's a yeah. whole thing. Yeah. yeah whole thing. Um, all right. I'm going to let you get out of here. I want to end on a slightly higher note. Um, congratulations on getting engaged. I think that's awesome. That's, uh, that's very cool. And, uh, and dude, this is, uh, this has been great. So where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you? Where can people find kids ski for free? Like where can people connect with you? What's the best medium to reach out to, uh, to an Andy Perry? Uh, Either telefrontour at gmail.com or just my Instagram. I check, I try to check mess. I don't really post a lot, but um, I do check messages. That's one of the good thing about Instagram is, you know, you can reach out to people. Um, but other than that, it's, I hate, I hate it all. <laughs> <laughs> telefrontour.com too. That was our episode with Andy Perry. Thank you to all of our sponsors for uh, sponsoring this episode of the show. As always, thank you, Fisher Skis, for being our title sponsor uh thanks woodchuck thank you to burn helmets and thank you to onyx backcountry um it's been great working with all these brands and i hope to uh continue that on more and more and more and more we're going to grow this thing and keep this thing rolling be sure to listen to the pursuit on wednesdays big stick energy on monday should be back this monday um and then uh john crooms coffee and van chats the dude's rad so 
Um, listen to him as well. Uh, what do we got next week? I have no idea who's next week, but we're going to find out sooner than later. So bye. <laughs>